We are the Nerd Eternal Network. Hello, and welcome to Icons, Blood and Stars here on the Nerd Eternal Network. I'm your GM for the day, Jason, and with me will be player, player Taylor playing Muttboot. Howdy, howdy. Curtis playing Bloodthorn. Hola. Mike playing Eve, the Living Nebula. Hello. And Zach playing Silver Shooting Star. Pleasure to, pleasure to, blah, blah, blah. hi. Don't worry, I've been bumbling and fumbling, so. Mm -hmm. You're fitting right in. <clears throat> All right, last session. Yeah. You had prevented sabotage to the station. Uh, I forget what the electrical... Oh, the electrical chick was going after the reactor. You put a stop to her. And then the guy y'all were calling Gaze... Uh, I think you found out his name was actually Jarjo. So, you know, maybe he should go with Gaze. Uh, he was trying to pilot uh, the station, the lodge, into the nearest planet. Uh, and while the station is... Wait, I think I think we have that opposite order. Because I thought we we stopped it from crashing first and then went to the reactor. You're <laughs> right. You might be right. You are right. The electrical chick was the one trying to pilot. Because y'all were fighting gays while uh, Rudan was like basically hiding under a desk with her computer trying to get past his hack to stop the reactor from overloading. Yeah. That's right. Because while the while her trying to steer the thing, the lodge into a planet, you know, with something that needed to be taken care of, the lodge does not move quickly. You know, its mobility is mostly just to adjust, make minor adjustments to its orbit. Even traveling in system would take a very long time for it. Uh... And Jarjo, I believe you took alive. Because was it Bloodthorn that put him down? I believe, I think so. I think she was the one that got the last lick. Uh, Payback for the session before. Undoubtedly. Uh, were the electrical powered one. I think Bookboot just shot her. Completely and utterly dead, yes. Uh, so you've got at least one more prisoner going back down into the into the holding cells. We're gonna need a bigger jail. Uh, if this keeps up, yeah, because the lodge really wasn't designed with taking prisoners in mind, or really people in general. I mean, they're they're hunters, not. Uh, but you troopers. know, anytime you got a station this big, it's basically a small town so you know you're going to have people that get in trouble and people that you know drink too much and need to sleep it off that sort of thing so they had a few holding cells uh, <clears throat> anyway but once that was finished uh, uh oh what boots buddy's name? Odute. Odute. O-D-E-O-O-T. Dute. Dute. Uh, he runs off to let the uh, various dignitaries know that, you know, 
the situation is now under control. Uh, I believe you had found out, I believe that's the Eve, I think, had found out there was graffiti going up on some of the walls warning people about him. Or, excuse me, warning people about Eve. Uh, let's see, Eve had noticed that he was under observation by members of the I'm not, I believe it was the race. Yes, race. Race scared of Eve. I'm not. I'm not. A-M-N-O-T. And I think the last bit of news you had gotten last session was a major attack on the Empire of Minos. uh, Which is one of the more aggressive uh, local governments, you know, that have been involved in this little coalition. Uh, but the invaders had, had taken one, had moved, for, had firmly moved into their territory and taken a few of the kind of outer, their outer worlds, and their main fleet was moving to engage. I believe that was kind of the big news that you had a uh, received uh, let's see Zach you were not here last week correct uh, unfortunately not due to sick baby issues uh, so yeah so Silver Shooting Star spent the time in the infirmary where he had fallen from one level to the next level down they were checking him over uh, but you know, bumps and bruises. Other than that, you're okay. Uh, you've had time to get into your armor and meet back up with the guys. Uh, basically, as, as Lodge Security is taking uh, Jarjo down to the holding cells. Uh, within the next thirty or forty minutes, they get him roused back up. You know, and you know, patched up. He's not too bad off, but he was in a fight. Mostly, he's just dealing with exhaustion from blood storms, blood thorns, uh, life draining attacks, or energy draining attacks. She's a little disappointed that that doesn't leave a bruise. On the other hand, that means if anybody ever accuses her of attacking them. It's just their word versus hers. That's right. I mean, what's he going to do? Claim that, you know, oh no, see, I'm visibly more tired than I was. Clearly she's done. <laughs> it just isn't going to hold up. All right. Uh, do you want to question the prisoners? Is there, is there anything particular that you, that you want to do in the aftermath of this? Honestly, yeah, just see if we can't pump them for information and see how they got plans for the station. Okay. Well, you knew from speaking with uh, Grouts, who was the kind of Mantis man, uh, though in his cell he seems very calm and his little Mantis blade arms have reverted back into hands. 
but yeah, you pretty well got it from him that yeah, they, they were here to, you know, basically kill that council. Uh, you know, just you know, basically disrupt any sort of organized resistance. Uh, though he didn't seem to know he didn't know, necessarily know where his buddies would be running off to other than just to sabotage. Uh, but I think you had, before you called her to, you know, defuse the station before it exploded, uh, I think Rudan was working on one of their gauntlet things to try to, you know, get their information out of it. Uh, either her or one of the other Starforgers. Since the Starforgers are basically this coalition's tech department at the moment. So yeah, so they're working on hacking their their devices, and you've got Jarjo awake and in a prison cell. Yeah, you know, each well, of the cells not, is, is its individual little rooms, and none of the prisoners can talk to each other. It's not really my place to say, but it sounds like the station is an obvious at risk of being a target again, uh, it's, uh, mm -hmm. and probably they need to beef up the defense uh, yeah several of the coalition members are bringing in more uh, more ships uh, they've got some people trying to work on a way to detect like an incoming teleport uh, what you eventually find out is they came in on one small stealth craft with like one member of the crew staying on the ship staying on that small ship and teleporting them in Uh, unfortunately, the ship was destroyed attempting to escape once it was discovered. So they can't... Re they, they're going through the wreckage to see if it had any teleportation technology. But they were unable to recover the pilot's body to see if he had one of those brand marking things. Like all the powered ones seem to have. Hope we didn't escape and make it to the station. Mm. Uh, you know, Anodute is is where the station has, but the lodge has been a uh, kind of the. Uh, I guess how you could compare it to Ellis Island back in the day. You know, a lot of the refugees have been funneling through here. You know, with with staff on the lodge, uh, kind of organizing them as as they're you know. As they're sent out to host worlds, you know, deeper into the galaxy, further from the conflict. Uh, but they are offloading that job to one of the one of the surrounding worlds. Uh, since the station is going to, be, since the lodge hunting lodge is going to be such a prime target, you might as well get the civilians out of the way of that. Also, that means less people on the station. So if somebody gets on the station, it's harder for them to hide. Uh, so they are, you know, it's going to take a while because there's quite a few people on the station at the moment. But they are, they are working on getting them moved. All right. So is there anything else your characters are concerned with or want to uh, want to do before like the council reconvenes? Uh, Can I, I kill the Mandis guy? 
Uh, Odute says no. He's effectively a prisoner of war at the moment. <laughs> Didn't hurt to ask. Uh, I just want to um, recall something. Uh, I believe near the end of the last session, uh, Eve had asked uh, how the uh, God of the Raiders uh, secured the the loyalty of all the peoples that you know may have been uh, uh, that had been attacked and you know uh, warred upon before they submitted and I think I, I was talking to was I talking to was Eve talking to Gazer about that I can't I thought that was the Mantis guy. Oh, the Mantis guy. Oh, yeah, I, I know y'all had a conversation with the Mantis guy in his prison cell. Uh. Yeah. I, I, for some reason, I remember maybe having like a like a brief talk with uh, Gazer, too, because I remember having that question with our first interrogation, but I wanted to hold off. And then and then the uh, the system, at, uh, at the lodge attack started uh started happening again and so i i made i, I made a point to uh get that question in like uh, near the end of the session and i recall some one of the two raiders telling eve that um uh something along the lines of uh first of all what was the name of that deed again i know we got the name for for the for the raider god uh this is what happens when i fall behind in my notes I thought the system was named after him. Yes. Uh, oh, Arkjin. Was it Arkjin? Was that the name of the god? Yes, A R C J I N. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and I think uh, I think the answer was uh, Ar Ar something along the lines of Arkjin building a better world for them. Is that how? Yes, he improved things. He brought them in, okay. brought them into his fold. Okay. Uh. Ended yep. suffering, war, yada yada yada. Yeah, they, they, he just proved them to be better off under his rule than you know out of it. You know, the the transition to his rulership is violent and unpleasant and unfortunate, but you know, almost eggs. Okay, oh, right. okay. I just wanted to uh, make sure I was remembering that uh, correctly. I mean, that Wait. is going to. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, when you have no free will, all the pegs fall into place. Yeah, exactly. It's amazing. Uh, I, I will say that, that that's weighing heavily upon Eve's mind, but um, given the crisis, uh, crisis and the, uh, the the outburst of fighting with the with the Minos, um, Eve's going to just like uh, digest that for a while. Let that swirl around in uh, Eve's gaseous uh, mind. But let's see, y'all had also talked, uh, the way he talked, it figured out the whole... Uh... Well, their philosophy talks about everybody being equal. Uh, the the dominant species y'all have been encountering so far, the bluish to greenish humanoids with the pointed ears, mm -hmm. uh, they seem to have a higher station. Uh, though the Mantis guy was claiming that was less of a privilege and more of a responsibility. Right. Uh, with that insect spe species that Grotus is from being kind of like right under them, 
because as they spread out into space, uh, his people were one of the few that that kind of submitted peacefully. Mm. So kind of a space elf man's burden. Exactly. Thing going on with them. <laughs> or maybe being an insect race, they were used to, you know, well, you've got queens and everybody kind of under them. This guy's just, you know, up there, yeah, whatever. You know, we watched him wipe out the last two species they ran across or, you know, wipe out their government. So, yeah, you know. Good times. Uh, so, so far, all everybody you've run into seems to be thoroughly dedicated to this guy. Uh, the electric chick was, when she saw how many of y'all were coming up against her, she saw Eve again, who her powers had already proven to be ineffectual against. Uh, she was kind of nervously chanting under her breath, I'll be remembered. Or I am remembered. So, you haven't exactly pieced this religion? Political philosophy? Whatever it is, haven't quite pieced it all together yet. Let's go with cults. It seems even stronger than that to me. Um... If he really does have, if there's no dissent, and of course we don't know for sure that there's not, um, but if there's no dissent at all, it's almost like brainwashing, brainwashing or mind control, which kind of, it gets into the culting area, but it, it just, it feels stronger than people being devoted on their own. Yeah, like a cult of personality. Go on. Right. Are you of the body? But it wouldn't be a surprise that the people we encounter on the front lines, if there were any dissenters, they would not be on the front lines. And after all these guys, uh, this was kind of a suicide mission they were, or potentially a suicide mission they were sent on, so, you know. You're not going to send the wishy-washy folks for something like that. If you want to talk to Jar Joe, he's awake. You know, or y'all can catch some lunch and then meet back up in the council chambers when the council reconvenes. I think we can move up to the court, uh, to the uh, reconvening. Okay. I'm happy to have lunch. Uh, I'm happy to watch people eat. Uh, when you're in the cafeteria, Eve, you notice you notice an uh, I'm not individual, you know, off in the far corner. 
you know, try obviously trying to be unnoticeable, mm-hmm. but just kind of keeps glancing over at you. Yeah, I don't. Uh... Would Eve have uh, been able to find out if the I'm not? I, I know they they're kind of lurkers on on the lodge. Is that correct? Yes. You know, they, they, a small population of them has come in with some of the refugees. Okay. Um, if Eve knows where they tend to uh, congregate, um, I don't know if there's enough time between now and then, but Eve would, would probably want to. Um, he'd want to. Op- op- oh, also, I want to. Um, just confirm for the record that Eve has told everyone else about that aspect of his uh, memory, right? The Maniac Star. I believe there was a conversation about that uh, near the end of the session of the last okay. the last issue. Uh, so whatever you had not told, whatever Eve had not told them before, Eve tells them while they're eating. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, uh, about. But, yeah. but yes, I think you had mentioned some of it. Yeah, because people were curious about the the Maniac Star graffiti with uh, Eve's uh, um, likeness uh, attached to them. So, and the Eve, Eve wouldn't have been inclined to keep that a secret at, the, at this point. Um, so while everyone else is eating here, yeah, he may uh, just uh, go to uh, where he where Eve would understand the R not as. Uh, Congregating, and would anyone would any would there any be any or not for I'm not for uh, for Eve to find, or would they be steering clear? Uh, they're going to be trying to avoid Eve, mm-hmm. uh, but if you head over to that section, uh, are you trying to slip in without them noticing? You know, trying to get in the general area before they realize you're headed that way. Uh, no, cause or are you just kind of walking a straight line. Yeah, Eve would want to try to at least uh, initiate a, a dialogue. All right, so you walk over to kind of the, we'll, we'll call it a neighborhood, a series of hallways that, that the majority of the Omnodder are in. Because mm-hmm. uh, most of the refugees that they come in, in, they either cluster up by species or cluster up by, like, home world, you know, culture, sort of. Uh, you know, plenty of the worlds are multicultural. Uh, but most of the Omnot are together uh, as you get closer you don't see any uh, but there are a few other species around too mm-hmm. uh, you know you've got one you know three-eyed very hairy think of a three-eyed Sasquatch it's kind of what this guy looks like uh, he's kind of giving you the you know hairy eyeball so to speak as you walk by <laughs> You know what? It, it just occurs to me if they're um, uh, since they've chosen the uh, medium of uh, uh, well, I was going to say street art, but we don't really have streets here per se. Hallway art. Yeah, hallway yeah, graffiti. Corridor art. I don't know what you got. <laughs> Perhaps Eve would uh, reciprocate if there are no of the are not are not will <laughs> if the I'm not are not willing to. Uh, with him directly out of fear or whatever other um, emotional response, then Eve may actually just try to leave some art of Eve's own. Um, and I don't think that's anything he can do with his. I don't think. Sorry. Can... Um. Hmm. Am I not? I, uh, 
as someone who's technically responsible for the station, I'm not gonna let you do graffiti in front of. No, okay. I, I, I'm just enjoying the visual. Well, the tricky is Nebula tagging. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the tricky is, does Eve take the entire group when he goes to do this? Or do you, does, does Eve tell them what's going on, and then Eve goes off to, you know, deal with this, and then meet them back at the council chamber at the appointed time? That's ideal, since Eve doesn't need to eat. Right. Everyone else uh, does, I presume. Oh, okay. Yeah. So now Eve just needs an art medium to use. Right, yeah, he would try to, um, well, just go to the local Michaels or whatever. <laughs> 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 and, um... Yeah, just leave a. Um, I, th I think he would simply leave a, maybe not like a, a drawing, but just like scrawl like um, on a wall where he understands the are not to be the I'm not to be known to uh, get uh, get congregate. Uh, would simply say, Ebe uh, wishes to listen, and maybe just leave it at that, and then. Um, go back and then uh, join, rejoin the group, and uh, uh, and then uh, see what the uh, what the what the council has to say. Okay. Uh, as you leave, you see the the Sasquatch-looking guy uh, pull out like a little data pad and, and take a picture of the of the wall. Okay. <laughs> and then he's tapping away on it. <clears throat> Yes, the, uh, the, the social media-ing has begun. They can subscribe. Throughout the night, people come up and steal the wall so they have an Eve original. Oh, oh. <laughs> <clears throat> right. Oh, well. Uh, <laughs> so y'all meet back up at the council chamber. You know, those of you that eat have eaten. Uh... Uh, the council comes to session. Y'all are sitting, you know, at, you're, you're sitting at the table with, uh, or kind of sitting. There's the table, Muckboot, Nodet, Udoot, Odoot, are, you know, sitting at the table proper. Y'all are, the rest of you are sitting kind of, you know, like a ro seat row behind them. Kind of guests of theirs, not actually Hunter Lodge members or anything. Uh, if we're behind them, we can do this. Give them rabbit ears yes you can in fact be rude to the people that you're currently at the station <laughs> quality we rabbit ears we, we wouldn't do that it's just tempting Steve could actually stretch his fingers out to look like rabbit it would be shaped like rabbit ears <laughs> I mean some kind of cosmic rabbits I guess <clears throat> uh, but anyway, you see a galaxy map, and it's got a line stretched of where the invaders are. Uh, they zoom in on the uh, Empire of Minos's uh, you know, the, the battle lines that are basically drawn through their territory. Uh, you get an indication of kind of where the Minos, uh, Minos fleet is, uh, and the Minos ambassadors are. While confident that their army will be able to repel the attack, or that their navy will be able to repel, re, repel the attackers, uh, 
they are wanting like guarantees of assistance and they're they're setting up the reinforcements that might you know in case they're needed uh, all very carefully worded not to imply any weakness on their part uh, but it would be foolish not to be prepared for the worst <clears throat> Uh. Mm. Any marching orders for us? Uh, not for you specifically yet. Uh, they are they are planning to. Uh, make their stand at a system called uh, Carlich. Could you spell that, please? K-A-R-L-I-T-C-H. Uh, it's, it's not a hugely populated world, uh, but it's the biggest industrial one kind of in its sector. Uh, it's a very mineral-rich, you know, uh, system. So there's lots of mining going on. Roughly speaking, what what's that, what's the size of the uh, fleet that they're expecting to engage? <clears throat> uh, the Minos main fleet consists of about 500 ships. Uh, they've got the enemy's forces calculated uh, at around 600. And that's not counting individual fighters and like small craft that the other ones yeah. carry. That's kind of your, you know, carriers, destroyers, battleship, you know, that kind of range. And they've only got a rough estimate of the enemy fleet size. You know, with some people arguing that it's probably smaller than that and some larger, and you know. Uh, so there's lots of discussion on whether or not to send in a large reinforcement fleet, uh, send in a reserve that would, you know, hang back until needed. Or for whether just going in full bore, shock and all, hit them with everything we got, might be the way to do it. Uh, so far, uh, Odoot has been pretty silent in this one. He's asked a few questions and whatnot, and gotten some clarification, but you know, but the hunters are not a large military force, so. You know, they're more useful for scouting and uh, kind of small objective-based sort of things. Uh, do any of you have any suggestions that you want to throw up to the council? Because you are you are developing enough of a reputation with them that they would allow you to speak. I 
feel like Eve would would definitely say something, but I'm trying to figure out what that would be. <laughs> Hang on, what just are some a second. Other likely targets. Like, what if this is simply a diversionary attack by the part of the uh, the invaders, and they're planning on hitting another part of a. Uh... Currently, the invasion wave is a distinct line that's just moving forward across a huge swath. Okay. okay. Like. Technically, the opponent is spread very thin. They just outnumber, in general. Like, if we pulled all of our fleets and all of their fleets together, their fleets would be big. If we pulled every single thing together. But they're so spread out trying to take everything at once that we're more capable of fighting. I believe. But yes, they are they are spread over a long line. Uh, but they've been hitting they've been hitting kind of you know outer edges of stuff. So there's not been a lot of defenses there, uh, and they have been ignoring the Singularity League. Have we noticed converted people from our galaxy joining their forces as they move further in? There have been no reports of that so far. <clears throat> But reports from ground conflict is very rare. Because you haven't, nobody has really taken back any worlds yet. <clears throat> uh, the minnows are kind of planning too. <clears throat> you know, this, if this initial attack is successful, uh, and they, they expect the forces to engage in the next few days. Did... I think did we that... did... I'm oh, sorry. Sorry, Kurt. Oh, my, my question was, did we determine if their god was a living, a living god or um, an ideal that they follow? Living was the what we got from me wanting to have a violent conversation with them. That's right. That, that's what like, I thought. Basically the, saying people have tried before and failed. Yeah, and the uh, they spoke of him physically arriving and ruling the empire. I think ultimately to to stop this onslaught, we'll eventually have to find a way to, um, you know take on this god head on I don't know how we do that yet but just pointing that out and if we're here just to make just to do as much damage as possible from a strong front the best way to bleed someone out is to make them think they only a little bit more like if it's all if, it, if they think even if it isn't even if we make sure it's not a close fight if they think it's a close fight and they'll need a little bit more to take care of it they won't send everything they've got at one spot they'll send that little bit more where they can be bled out a mm -hmm. Yeah, unless you know, unless somebody realizes that's what to do, what's going on. Yeah, but in that case, then they'll just hammer it the same way as if we tried to shock and awe them. Mm -hmm. 
Eve's been contemplating this, and given the conversations that we had in the, in the last issue with uh, with the followers of Arcgen, and also given that uh, one of Eve's qualities is full of hot air, uh, Eve will start pontificating on uh, perhaps we should listen to their case. Have we reported of uh, the the uh, I guess the uh, the the holy mission of that we've learned about um uh, yeah so duke would have any any conversations with the captives would have been recorded and Duke would have sent out a uh probably not the files himself but he would have sent out a report on what was said per, perhaps they would stop attacking if we if 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 you at least listened to their case uh maybe <laughs> the, maybe. Not, maybe not fully appreciating uh you know the 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 attraction of free will and all those other um mortal oddities of mortal psychology well maybe if some of us showed a willingness to convert that might allow us a, a chance to get closer to arch and to take him out <laughs> uh when he first starts talking the the uh representative sir minos uh are pretty upset. You get the impression they're about to start kind of shouting Eve down. Sure. But when Bloodthorn starts talking about using it as, you know, sub, you know, subterfuge, they, they calm down a little bit and they're a little more listening. This is, this is a little more the sort of tactic they can they can get behind. <laughs> so, you know, they fold their little tentacles up under the chin and you kind of lean forward and listen <laughs> a little closer. Uh so I've showed you a picture of the Minos, you know. They don't have hands so much as they have tentacles. Uh, oh, okay. Minos, thinking Minos thoughts. And they might believe that someone that, you know, with what we know, we might be able to convince them that some of us are interested in learning more willing to convert because if we did willingly that would give us a more favored status oh yeah right that's true it, you could go to him going hey we have spoken to uh grotus or you know whatever his species is you know uh, uh one of the representatives uh this one from the uh, United Federated Systems. Uh, which, while the Minos are... There's multiple species under their rule. The Minos themselves are kind of one species in the ruling class. Uh, think of them almost like the Persian Empire. You had a bunch of different ethnicities under the Persians, but only the Persians were allowed, you know, only the Persians could be king, and only them and the... Uh, Meads, I think, were, I think were the other guys that could get pretty high ranking. They couldn't be king or couldn't be king of kings, but they could be, you know, they could be satraps, they could run cities, you know. <clears throat> uh, you know, where everybody else was just kind of, you know, yeah, you kind of serve the empire. Uh, but the UFAS is, you know, it's a collection, it's a mutual defense collection, essentially. Yeah. You know, they have favorite trading status with each other. 
they have a kind of a group defense. Uh, but one of them speaks up, you know, uh, would we need to like pick, say, pick one species, you know, pick, pick a decoy species to send in to talk to them? Or <clears throat> in practical terms, how would we go about this? Uh, and that discussion kind of side rails, you know, eventually the Minnows representatives are, are start getting a little annoyed because, you know, this is a good idea. This is a tactic we can get behind. We need to discuss the actual defense of the battle about to happen. Though. Uh, and you start to realize that while they don't want to admit that they really want these reinforcements, they really want these reinforcements. I think right now the best bet would just be to send a small reinforcement. Just going off of uh, Muckboot's recommendation regarding giving the illusion of of uh, the Alliance only really having a small small amount of forces that they can actually send out in combat. Uh, one of the Minos representatives seems to be willing to accept this. Uh, though the other one questions, would this not be, if we imply that our forces are smaller, would this not be encouraging them to continue attacking our empire? Did they need encouragement to attack <laughs> everywhere do they need any encouragement period to attack everywhere all at once? Of they course not. Themselves to be the single most important thing. Of course continue not. Continue whether or not. Uh, well, of course they'll continue to attack everywhere, Hunter. But if you if you pull a weak force in our empire, it may encourage them to hit our empire more. They're going to keep hitting your empire either way. He leans his head back, his eyes kind of kind of narrow. One might almost think that this is a an attempt uh, by all of you to, to use this invasion as an excuse to weaken our empire. To leave us weaker after, you know, after these invaders have been routed, to leave us in a weakened state to be preyed upon by the rest of you. Uh, which, you know, other representatives are kind of like, you know, face palming and rolling their eyes. Uh, you hear one desire? We would simply leave you deserted. We would not play subterfuge. You have an enemy you'd have to fight. We wouldn't have to subterfuge it. We could just leave you to die. We are not going to do that. You may not be the single most agreeable species in the universe. You deserve <laughs> to exist the same as everyone else. We will not let you die. The middle representative's like, hmm. The Supreme Hunter is as blunt as I've heard he is. <laughs> Though the way he says that doesn't sound like it's an insult or, or a backhanded compliment even. He's just kind of like, hmm, you're blunt. You know what you're getting. Uh, so yes. Uh, it's eventually decided on a smaller reinforcement detachment. Uh, I mean, a big enough force to be legitimate reinforcements. You know, this is not a token force that you're sending out to get shot up. 
you know, and while that is going on, they are putting together a larger uh, coalition force. You know, without stripping other people's border defenses, they're kind of putting together a coalition force to act as a sort of, uh, uh, oh, I forget what the Romans called it. But there was a time when they were kind of shorthanded that the emperor set up, it was almost like these roving cavalry units. It's like we've got all the regular units here, and then we've got these extremely, this extremely mobile group that we can just shoot off to anywhere in the empire that needs backing up right then. Uh, it worked great until the empire starts getting attacked from both sides. And, you know. uh, so they start setting up, you know, a, 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 a unit specifically of their faster ships that could get wherever they needed to be uh, in case the push into Minos is is a decoy. Uh, like a muckwood, whoever it was, suggested. Uh, so some of these questions are settled by the end of the day, and there's still tons of stuff uh, they're discussing. They discuss the refugee uh, problem. Uh, they discuss areas where trade has been disrupted, so, you know, there's food shortages in some places. Uh... Because while with the with the border worlds, most worlds are more or less self-sufficient when it comes to basic necessities. As you get deeper into the galaxy, in, in the more civilized, more built-up areas, uh, areas with more infrastructure, you have some worlds that are overly specialized. So maybe it's a largely industrial world, and they do have to import a lot of their food. Uh, so as the invaders push in deeper, that becomes an issue. Uh, uh, eventually you guys are kind of excused out because you know the real minutiae of this is not something to, that you guys would probably even want to get involved in Eve starts to get bored at some point uh, but over the next few days uh, the initial battle takes place uh, the Minos forces them and the invaders go at each other pretty hard uh it's up in the air who would have won with the reinforcements sweeping in uh, a little bit later. They do repel the invaders uh, from the cartilage system. Uh, so, you know, this is good news. Everybody's heartened. Uh, uh, Muck Boot, you're helping, over the next couple of days, you're helping Odoot with some of the administrative stuff. Uh, You see Count, uh, oh shoot, what was his name? Big pardon? Count Conthraxis. Conthraxis. Uh, you see him at the at a distance. Ah, oh, there he is, I found his sheet. Uh, but he's, you almost, you've been here long, you almost get the impression he's, just, he's ignoring you. Or avoiding you. long as he doesn't look like he's planning. I'm fine. <laughs> I only ever see him standing in the corner, drumming his fingers together, staring at me. <laughs> Occasionally mouth soon, and that's it. <clears throat> uh, 
No, and you know he, you know, you know he's doing work with the refugees. I mean, not him himself. He's got people going out and doing that. Uh, you know, he is going around talking to a lot of the other hunters, but uh, uh, Silver Shooting Star, the refugees you arrived with, they have been, uh, they have kind of gone through the processing and are being shipped off to an agricultural world deeper into the galaxy. Alright. Uh, so, you know, you'd have a chance to say goodbye to them. Yeah, head over to the ones I knew a bit more personal than the others. And just wish them well, and you know, thank for uh, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, they tell you this. You're there. You are certainly welcome. Uh, you were a great help getting them off the world. Uh, they appreciate that. You are welcome to come with them if you want to. You, you know, if you want to avoid this, the front lines of this war. I think the wages of my life point me to here, I'm afraid. Mm, if you were trying to put violence behind you, is this really putting it behind you? Right. No. But... I mean, they're not arguing with you, they're just kind of, you know, the philosophy. Yeah. Because yeah. their world was overrun, they realize, you know, violence may be an answer here. Uh, but they are not fighters, so. Eve. You are left a message. Okay. Uh, You know, despite the whole not eating and probably not sleeping, you still have quarters here. Sure. You know, it's got baseline amenities, you know. You've got a computer terminal that plugs into the lodge's computer. Uh, and you receive a little video message. Uh, the being that pops up in the window. Uh, it's that same furry individual that you saw in the hallways. Hmm. Uh, and it's basically telling you the... Uh, uh, asking you what it is that you want to listen to. Do I recognize who that being is? Do, and do I... Re- does Eve actually recall seeing uh, this being um, uh, record on my message or capture my message in any way? Yes. As you were walking off, you saw him pull his data pad out and... Okay. You know. Do I know who that... that do I know who that, that creature is? Uh, no. You, you, you just saw him in the hallway. And you saw him take a picture of the thing as you were walking off. And he was he was clearly kind of staring at you, though everybody stares at you. Not right. Of course. Clearly you are a thing of beauty. Yes. Um, well, is there any contact information? Uh, oh, yeah, you have, you know, you know, his number, his address, however, however, this, however a future tech would, or high tech would work. You know, their version of video calls and emails and whatnot. Okay. Uh, uh, has has word gotten around on the uh, on the galactic interwebs about uh, my reaching out? Is there is is the is the lodge a buzz, as it were? 
uh, among the uh, Eve watching sites or Eve watching forums or you know however they were doing <laughs> the Eve discourses yes. uh, uh, yeah the message you know it's a big deal Okay. To the common person walking the hallways, eh. You know, if they're buddies with somebody that's into the whole Eve thing, maybe. So, uh, but it's not a secret in any way. I mean, it's not. If somebody looked up information on you, they would find out you had left a message saying you wanted okay. to listen. Eve would guess that uh, that this individual is. Uh, Got that got that buzz, a buzz as it were. Um, does, does he does this being leave a name? You know he would have, but I did not think to write him a name down. Uh, one second. Well, I totally don't go to a random alien name generator. <laughs> yeah. I totally don't love those random name generators. No, no, I don't. I don't need the species name this time. I need the. Lurorg, L-U-R-O-R-G. Okay. Um, yeah. If and if I don't know of any immediate plans uh, to be needed as far as the, the potential for the subterfuge, uh, I would re I would reach out. To, I, I'm assuming Lurorg is who. Uh, yeah. Like I said, I'm, I'm assuming that he's helped me spread the word. I guess. So um, I'm kind of curious about. Uh, I'm, I, Eve is the disappointed that the the am not themselves have not reached out to him, but you know I guess it's not terribly surprising given the uh, trepidation that they've expressed today. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, if if Lorg wants to ha has named the time or place or is asking you. Uh, well, you you can just reach him through the comms if you wanted to. Oh, uh, had you been in your in your uh, residence when he called, it would have been like a video call. I see. Okay. So this was this was like you went in and went, oh, I've got a message, and checked it. It's, you know, and it's a recording of this of this video call where you know he's asking sure. those questions. Yeah, he'll he'll call back. Okay. Lorg answers, and you know he's he is sitting in a seat, you know. It's not unlike a Zoom call, probably in higher def though. I should hope so. And with with sound, it's more like he was just sitting in front of you talking. Acknowledgement, <clears throat> Eve says. Greetings. Thank you for contacting, or uh, thank you for getting back with me. Uh, you have I am. Oh, Sorry, go ahead. If, no, um, he would just simply say, uh, "You have taken interest in in uh, Eve's uh, overture." I'll call it overture, why not? You have frightened some of my neighbors. Uh, I live in the hallway that you defaced. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> uh, I thought this was gonna be. I thought this was gonna be a go between us, turning more like uh, like an argument on next door. Uh, <laughs> Now, I'm, I am aware that people have uh, defaced other hallways with images of you. Uh, I do not know who the specific individuals were. Uh, 
but some of my neighbors may have been involved. Uh, so I understand that this was likely an attempt to start a communication with them, a dialogue perhaps. That is correct. Uh, but they are very trepidatious, trepidatious. They feel great trepidation of, about speaking with you. How well to, do you know your neighbors? Is there is there a uh, a trust between you? Uh, within reason, yes. Uh, I've only known them for as long as they've been here. Uh, well, some of them. Now, some of them were refugees on my world prior to this invasion, and then when my world had to relocate, you know, people of my world had to relocate, uh, we wound up here. Oh, so they were like a double uh, evacuation, I guess. Yeah, the Tyrant Star wrecked their world pretty bad. Yes. <laughs> or the Tyrant Sun, or which one was it you called yourself? Maniac Star. Maniac Star, I'm sorry. Yeah. The Tyrant Star is something out of DC. I keep getting all confused. That's right. Um, <clears throat> uh, in that case, uh, uh, Eve would say, uh, may we establish trust. They have some disturbing stories that they feel you're involved with. Eve, Eve wishes to reassure them that as I was then, I am no longer. So you admit... Excuse me, Eve is no longer. Wait, does, does Eve know or believe Eve's self to have been? Well, that's uh, that, that does raise a good point in that uh, Eve's own memories are still... So he, he has no direct memories of being involved. He simply... The extent of his memories is recognizing the Amnot, and that's it. Um, so perhaps Eve would have... Uh, and Eve still doesn't have direct confirmation that Eve was, in fact, uh, the Maniac Star in the prior life. So, uh, yeah, thanks for uh, helping me keep that straight. And with that, uh, uh, maybe maybe simply uh, Eve would simply say something along the lines of uh, would, that, Eve, that Eve would like to know why uh, the Amnon believed that uh, the Maniac, that, that, he, that he is connected, that Eve is connected to the Maniac Star. Uh, as you can clearly look at him now, he is no star. <laughs> That might be, uh, but, uh, so that, that, that might, I think that's going to be what he, uh, he, uh, relays to, uh, Lororg. Hmm, so you claim not to remember. And that is, that is true, right? Uh, yes, yes. Eve has no specific memory of this. Yeah, but he he does feel he does uh, recognize the Omnot. Um, yes, it was definitely the Omnot. Uh, but Lorg's like, let me send you a file. Okay. And uh, you know, it's a you know, little bit of tapping on his on his data pad, uh, uh, and a, a audio video file appears. Uh, there seems to be. It's, the, the people you see in the video are definitely I'm not uh, and it is a 
they're in protective suits, even though they're clearly on the surface of a world. Uh, everything is bright. The the camera is having to tint itself more and more, just not be you know, whited out. Uh, and you can see what looks like a small star lowering towards the planet's surface. Okay. Yeah, you can see their actual sun kind of over here, and then this one's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Is there, is there like, uh, gravitational disruptions going on? Fucky, uh, fucky stuff. Yeah, gravity is getting weird. Uh, you know, some things are starting to float a little bit. Uh, plant matter is just spontaneously combusting. Because, you know, it's a little star, but it is dropping into your atmosphere. Is there any t uh, timestamp on this on this recording? Like, how long ago did this occur? Uh, there is, but it's in whatever the native Omnot calendar system was. So it doesn't mean, you know, the, the, the text itself doesn't mean anything to you. Uh, you could probably get a translation of it without too much trouble. Yeah, because that would uh, be helpful to know if this was within their actual memories or something that happened, like, in their prehistory. Because it's all up for grabs on a cosmic scale. Uh, but there seems to be energy attacks going off towards the star with uh, uh, like little sunbursts coming out and hitting. Uh, but the video kind of speeds up. It's like it, it's, it's like it was a big fight. Uh, though everything is getting scorched. Uh, the military equipment that you see is holding up all right, but you see some stuff that was probably civilian. That you can see the heat taking effect on it as paint blisters off and the metal seems to be some of the metals getting us off. Uh, but the star itself, or the maniac sun, seems to be getting dimmer. Uh, there is a. Uh, it sort of turns redder and begins expanding. Uh, which wipes out the video that you're seeing. Right. Uh, the file keeps going, though. It cuts to an orbital view from a ship. Clearly, you know, this is out of the, you know, the main view, view screen of a ship. Uh, where you see the, you know, you see the sun go red and it, it expands until it engulfs about half the planet. Uh, and then it sort of breaks up and just explodes into a cloud of matter. Uh, the ship that this recording is coming from is like racing ahead of this wave of material. Uh, and just about the time it's like the ship's gonna be overtaken by it. Uh, Another ship just kind of appears behind them. As this wave of uh, gas and matter, uh, you know, there's lots of light, it's, it looks superheated. Uh, as it reaches this new ship, it stops. It seems to start folding into, almost like it's being sucked into the ship itself. Oh. Uh, as the video zooms in. How, how massive is the second ship? Uh. Maybe a hundred meters long. Okay, so not like it's not like on a. It's basically on like regular ship scale, not like. Right, right. Uh, okay. But the back half of it is has it's got like a flat top. 
Like if it landed on if it landed on a planet, you know, you'd be you people could be walking around on that back deck. Okay. Uh, so the the ship continues to move away, but they keep zooming in to like you know like whoever is manning the camera is like what is going on. And you can just, you know, at maximum magnification, or at least as magnified as the video actually gets, there seems to be one lone humanoid figure standing at the end of the platform. Okay. Uh, as his gas cloud just comes in, I mean, he just keeps collapsing in, kind of in front of the figure's hands. You know, their backs to the camera, or kind of slightly to one side. Uh, so like I said, all you can really make out is it's, it's a humanoid... Uh, white skinned and I mean like paper white not you know not Caucasian uh, but as the oh, gas pardon? it's not like it's not like a tape suit no it is not however the gas is collecting in front of them and slowly starts taking a humanoid form okay uh, and while it's too far away for you to positively identify it as that's me mm-hmm. <laughs> It is definitely, it definitely looks like a nebula, and it is definitely falling into a humanoid form, a roughly humanoid form. Uh, and then, you know, you, you manage to make out that detail, and that's about the time the ship jumps to light speed. It actually, you know, is actually gone, gone. Yeah. The video cuts off at that point. Okay. Uh. Eve uh, feels like he may may just have watched Eve's birth <laughs> baby video. Um, how did you acquire this? My neighbors gave it to me. Uh, All of their people have copies of this. Uh, <laughs> uh, that ship had the that ship and its crew have been dubbed the hindmost. They were the last ship to jump out of the system to successfully jump out of the system. Okay, so that's not the that's not the that's not where the the gas was. Uh, this is the one that was escaped. That one that like this is the one that did the recording and got away. Gotcha. The hypers. Uh It was the last kind of refugee ship. Uh, well, it wasn't refugees. It was the last of the military getting away after they put up the last of the fight the fighting they could do. Perhaps it was their, like uh, devoted to like a rear guard duty with that kind of thing. Uh, well, th- they got dubbed that afterwards. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, oh wow. Uh, so, I think Eve uh, is trying to process this, and yeah, he might be talking to Eve self at this point, just uh, just uh, kind of like uh, talking a lot talking this through aloud about how if uh, whoever that being was was it was Eve's uh, creator and he and, he's, and Eve says that in a very like a uh, kind of like a very credulous tone but he, he says can't. it more saying it as though looking for an answer than knowing an answer. Yes, definitely. Like as if he's trying to convince himself. Um, exactly. Thank you. Um, and he wants to just. Uh, yeah, he, he, he says, uh, tells Lord that 
he did, did not does not remember any of this and if that if that was Eve in fact Eve that was uh, that was being uh, coalesced at the end of that, of that recording uh, Eve has no recollection of that or certainly nothing that happened before it Lurorg's like, what is the first thing Eve remembers? Well, that's a good question. We've never figured that out. Um, yeah. Should I do, I, do I need to come up with something now? Just uh, like a first memory? Um, uh, think... Well, you know, you, know, you, you know, if you want time to think about it, you don't have to, you know, Eve doesn't have to actually answer him. Okay. Yeah, I think I, I I have an idea, but I want to propose it to you first. Uh, okay. Because uh, it could like, yeah, it's um. Well, I, I guess I may as well. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. Let me just uh, bounce this off you now in in, in uh, during the game session, if you don't mind. Okay. Uh, one thing I that had occurred to me as we were trying to come up with uh, ideas for our cosmic arc of story is that I never worked in um, the origin of Independence Ray. Uh, if you recall, my, my Independence Ray character was a pilot who had collided with some kind of UFO, and that's how he gained his light powers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I I always had, yeah, I always had in my head that this was definitely something of extraterrestrial origin, but I never really thought much beyond that as to what, they, what those were, what they were doing here, why did it, you know react to independence or the way it did to get superpowers and i'm wondering if these entities could have you know be related to like like these could have been like the you know, like the handmaids or the servants of cosmic creation in some way um, like uh some like some some kind of like you know light-based entities that kind of oversee the uh the cosmic cycle of uh the death and rebirth of, of, of star, of stars, and star matter throughout the cosmos. Kind of like how the, uh, uh, like the Marvel universe has the celestials that nobody's really sure exactly what their job is, but they seem to be doing something. Yeah, it's something big and cosmic and important. And I was wondering if maybe uh, those, uh, you know, those light entities could could be fulfill some kind of a similar purpose. And perhaps the first memory of Eve would have been like awakening on, let's say on a, mm, I don't, either like a deserted asteroid or you know, even just like a regular planet at night and just seeing those uh, light entities uh, swirling away, swirling over and then uh, zooming off into into light speed. We and can do that. Yeah, that, then he will, maybe he just woke, but let's say he was on a, like a pretty, what what would be like the this what would you call the center of the known of the known cosmos like what's the most cosmic no pun intended cosmo cosmic politan planet <laughs> in in known space is there a cor- is there a, a, a equivalent of Coruscant not a, not like a one planet that rules everything but just the planet where everyone where everyone goes to is there something like that <clears throat> yes. Uh... You know, the galaxy is a big place, so you can have these huge empires, but they still don't rule anything nearly like uh, everything. Sure. 
Uh, it's one of those planets. Maybe a planet at like the hub of like um, um, uh, hyperspace pants or whatever. Uh, and as long as introducing that kind of uh, the, the, those light entities doesn't like uh, get in the way of whatever you may have planned for. No, 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 no. Cool. <laughs> let's, let's go with that then. So you woke up on a planet called Uatha. U-A-T-H-A. Uh, which lays claim to being the uh, birthplace of the first intelligent life. Uh, the species that lives there uh, uh, looks pretty baseline humanoid. You know, bigger, stronger, tougher than, you know, than baseline humans or baseline, you know, uh, whatever Bloodthorn species is or Silver Shooting Star species. You know, very much more than, than mortal. Uh, they age so slowly as to almost not be aging at all. Uh, though their species has has old folks among them, so clearly they age some. Uh, more primitive species often look at them as gods. Uh, if, we, if we consider a Marvel analogy, could these be like something like the Eternals? Uh, the Eternals, the movie version of the Asgardians. Okay. You know, they're, they've got a very mythological vibe to them, but they're out there in space. Okay. Uh, the new gods from DC would be another good example, but that... Yeah. Those were basically just Jack Kirby going, well, I don't work for Marvel anymore, so I can't do the Eternals, so I'll go over here to DC and do the Eternals and call them something different. Because <laughs> uh, Kirby liked to play around with that mythology type stuff. Sure. Nice. Um, so that would be the answer to Lauren's question. Uh, but yes, you woke up, you know, yeah, I feel like he would be pretty trustworthy since everyone he seems to live something of a of a of a of a a charmed life uh, existence uh, <laughs> since everyone kind of holds living nebulous for the most part in in uh, in in uh so yeah, you'd you know walking up on that planet with the, with these light beings swirling around you and then taking off without really saying anything to you. And then the native Uathans, you know, they show up and you were a novel. They were not in awe of you, like a lot of people. Mm -hmm. uh, they were respectful, but not quite as awe-filled. Uh, and they explained to you that you are a living nebula, and you know. Ah, so they're the ones who kind of taught me. Yeah, the the the, the basics that you know is what they told you. Ah, nice. You know, your people, your people serve a great purpose. You know, in the cosmos. But, they didn't go into a lot of specifics on what that purpose is. You, know, yeah, you would, you would, they, they were confident you would discover it in time. You know. Yeah, maybe they're the reason that Eve is just as like a raving psychopath, they like, like super 
like super spoiled Rockstar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> they are uh, on their original home world. They are they are peaceful, but it's not that they don't have enemies or you know. Their society has mostly expelled the kind of darker elements. Those elements have their own world. Sure. Uh, but yes, they are deep in the galaxy, you know, much closer to the core. Uh, you know, close enough to the core and how, and you know, all the increased radioactivity and, you know, f- flares and whatnot. Uh, that for most species, it's kind of dangerous to even travel too close to their world. Oh, interesting. Because of all the cosmological... Right. You're like, we just can't properly shield ourselves. Uh, now, you know, if you're brought to the Awatha world, you know, everything's copacetic. You know, humans can walk around in their world, no problem. But they have their own methods of traveling that are much different from everybody else's. Wow. Uh, Abe would like to ask uh, Lurg. Yeah, so Abe will basically tell Lurg, but that's that's where his, where Eve's memories start, and he would uh, he would respectfully ask if Lurg could help him. He, it, it, I think he says that he's trying to piece together everything else ever since he first learned of the Amnot and their um, and their fear of of Abe. And that Eve's simply trying to reconstruct how far back his story goes. Uh, Lurag will, uh, Lurorg rather, will, uh, he will speak to the Omnot. Uh, you know, he can make no promises, but he will speak to them. Uh, his people know of the star gods that you, that you speak of waking up amongst. Uh, and they judged you worthy and safe to release back into, you know, back into the cosmos. You know, for his part, that that that's a point in your favor. That speaks well of you. Uh, you know, the Omnot are the Omnot are afraid that you are this maniac star. I, so is Eve. He doesn't tell, he doesn't say that, but Eve's afraid of that too. Uh, and perhaps you are, or perhaps this is a new incarnation, or uh, perhaps you are just at spawn. You know, there, there's you know. Ooh, I didn't think about that. There's a wide variety of possibilities there, you know. Sure. Cool. You know. Uh, he was but a craftsman among his own people, so he is not, you know. He's not oh. an expert in these sorts of things. So, is, as Eve matures. Could he condense and become another star? Nobody seems to know what the life cycle of a living nebula is. That, that seems like a possibility. In fact, yeah, nobody's yeah. people. Well, people, even the people that know of living nebulas, they have a limited amount of information, and you know, nobody know nobody knows where they come from. I will say, as a player, that that's a, that's a that's something that has occurred to me as a possible endpoint for Eve's arc is that you know you know nebula you know you know even in like for real nebulas uh you know it is their gas that can uh sometimes coalesce into forming other stars Mm -hmm. in the rain though generally nebula nebula can form multiple stars not like they all fall into one 
Yeah, well, that's that's true. Yeah, because they are really, really big. Yeah, but that, it, it does occur. But, to me but that. if you're if you're living nebula and all that gas is connected by something, mm -hmm. true. Yeah, now, he already condenses down to a very small form. Mm, but yeah, very small. <laughs> we might need to uh, we might need to uh, retcon in some kind of like extra dimensional component just to explain like how. How it's even possible that that much gas even compressed to, uh, <laughs> or maybe even, or maybe even exploded full size. Maybe E would be a very small nebula. That too. And he has to grow into a larger one. At which point, you know, who yeah, knows? It may not be full, yeah, that's right. He may not it, be the full nebula. And maybe the full story will be outside the scope of these ten, ten episodes. You know, <laughs> <laughs> coming soon to a limited series near you. At the cosmic scale, have to be told by our great, 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 great <laughs> grandchildren. You know, when we do a, you know, uh, Legion of Superheroes knock all thousands of years of the future, you know, maybe we'll cover it then. That's a good idea. Yeah, the main villain could be Eve, the Maniac Nebula, or something. Who knows? Oh boy. <laughs> all right, so you had this conversation with him. Uh, and he agrees, you know, I will speak to these people. Uh, you know, see if they're, you know, willing to talk to you or help you piece together, you know. Uh, this video is all that he knows of they've got, but, you know, he'll ask around and see if, see if they've got more information or anything else. Uh, but as a few days pass while this is going on, uh, you had gotten news that the uh, Minos and reinforcements, coalition reinforcements, had managed to drive the uh, Empire or the uh, invaders off. Uh, they have been questioning the prisoners on the station. In the battle, they have taken some prisoners. Uh, they have finally found out what this empire calls itself. Uh, They are the Magellic Hegemon of Urum. I'm not going to try spelling all that. I'm just going to cut and paste it into the uh, chat. Both on roll 20 and in Discord just to make sure everybody gets a chance to see it. And while everybody was, was you know, uh, theorizing that they were from outside the ga known galaxy. Uh, they are. They are from what uh, what we would call the large uh, Mage uh, Magellic Cloud. One of these smaller satellite galaxies that kind of orbits our galaxy. Smaller? Yes. You have the large and small Magellic Cloud, which is like two separate ones, kind of close together. And you got one called the Dwarf, something or another that's probably the closest. Uh, there's two of them that if you look it up, they're like, you know, well, this one is either the closest or second closest. Uh, now, it's a small galaxy. There's still like 30 billion stars in it. There are no small galaxies. <laughs> Uh, but according to the captives, uh, this hegemon 
controls their entire galaxy. You know, all 30 billion stars are under their domain. Not that they would all have life on them, of course, but... And they have now decided to bring, uh, <clears throat> bring their way of life, bless, bless your galaxy with their way of life. That's sweet. Ain't that so nice. They're just thinking about you. <laughs> uh, from comments, a couple of prisoners say there's been an attempt to export their way of life to the to the uh, smaller Magellic Cloud that didn't work out, apparently. But they don't have any real details on that. That's interesting. It Sounds is. like something to investigate. Might if be. we could actually get there in a timely fashion. Or, you know, just raid their data files. Uh, the Singularity League uh, Oh, we get somebody in the chat that I just noticed. Hello. Oh, they're po they post information on the Magell uh, Magellic Clouds. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, irregular galaxy that shares gaseous envelope and lies about 22 degrees apart in the sky near the s south uh, celestial pole. Yeah, I think they are. I think they are visible down there. Thank uh, you. Thank you, Cynical. Uh, cynical. Yeah, I think that's how you pronounce that. There's lots of extra Y's in it. Oh yeah, we got a few people listening or watching. I should say. Happy to have y'all. Uh. Uh, but as I was saying, the uh, Singularity League, uh, they know of a culture kind of on the other side of them, so, you know, well away from the invasion, basically unknown to any of the other cultures here in the uh, this coalition. Uh, but a, a culture they're in contact with on the other side of them has had contact with this lesser cloud. Uh, they have some sort of Stargate sort of thing set up. Really? Uh, that is awfully convenient. Uh, I think it, it would behoove us to find this culture and take advantage of their Stargate. Uh, uh, the Singularity League... Uh, you know they've remained they're remaining more or less neutral I mean they were helping with the refugee problem they were taking in refugees you know uh, but the hegemon has not attacked them so they're not wanting to throw troops y'all's way uh, pick a side well they picked the side they picked the side of hey this is some organics doing crazy sh other organic. We're gonna sit on the sideline. Let them fight. <laughs> but it's kind of like, well, we don't know who will win, and these guys aren't messing with us yet. Maybe if we just sit here, we'll be okay. 
uh, uh, and there was some discussion of it. Maybe we should send somebody by, you know, somebody somebody that way to communicate. Uh, and singularly is it's willing to allow this, you know. Yeah, we, we, we would we would allow ambassadors, to, you know, we would help ambassadors through our territory uh, and help you negotiate with this, you know, other culture too. Uh, but talk of that gets put aside when news comes in from at the end of the week from uh, Carlage. Uh, communication with the planet has been lost. Uh, the main fleet that was still in the area uh, was forced to retreat. An enormous ship appeared. Uh, yeah, you know, flanked with a it was a decent bit of escort ships. Uh, should not have been a force capable of taking on the fleet. Uh, and really, they didn't. It's not that they defeated the fleet. Is that when this massive ship got within a few astronomical units uh, of of the of Carlich's uh, main inhabited planet? Uh, their fleet couldn't get close to it. It was repelling them with some sort of gravity field. Uh, and then it literally manipulated gravity to such an extent that it pushed, it began pushing Carlick's moon into the planet. Oh. And you, and you have got all this video, you know, you've got all this video and, uh, you know, this is a ship on scale, you know, uh, well, what do they call it? Uh, mega structures, mega something like that. Uh, visually, it doesn't look much like. It looks like a completely different tech level than the uh, Hegemon's, uh, you know, typical ships. You know, it's got a more organic look to it. Not that it looks like it's living exactly, but. Uh, but it's all kind of curves and kind of organically styled. Uh, and essentially, once the moon struck the planet, uh, yeah, the fleet just sort of peeled off en route. Uh, this big ship was not fast enough to catch up uh, to the smaller ships. And it didn't seem to have much in the way of conventional weaponry. Uh, it simply had gravity fields that none of their weaponry could seem to get through. Uh, and, you know, it could manipulate uh, heavenly bodies, so. Yeah. You know, they made, a, they made a couple of attempts at it and they just kind of bugged out. But also, when it has the single greatest weapon imaginable, can't really fight it. Yes, and this is causing quite a stir. Uh, there's a lot of talk about how do we deal with this. There was another planet destroyed in a similar manner uh, that y'all heard reports on. Uh, but there was no, there was no convincing evidence that this was tied to the invasion. It was just something weird that had happened. I think I remember that report. Uh, but now there's definitely a connection. Uh, 
And that was another world that they think had managed to repel their initial attack. So, uh, Hegemon may not take losing very well. What are the chances are they have more than one of these ships? Did you hit that box? Just going from the sheer scale of it and... Not unless they felt like bankrupting their galaxy twice. If... If we could... Engineer another defeat for the Hegemon, then we could predict or assume that that ship would show up in response and give us a chance to take it out, which would be a big blow to the Hegemon. Now, wait a second. How we have a rough estimate of the ship size, correct? Mm-hmm. Kind of like an estimatable size of it? Oh, it's about... Not quite a planet, but bigger than a moon? No, no, it's, it's say, half the size of Earth's moon. Yeah, which is still that ginormous ship. Eve. <laughs> How big can Eve get? Uh, well, um, given that I don't have growth as a power, I would probably have to stunt it. I would have to stunt, uh, I, I imagine I would have to stunt Gassy's form to some degree. And, uh... Well, you've got eight, you know, you've got an eight stretching. That's, oh, that's true. That's true. Uh... uh but to, to reach a cosmic scale, or like a cosmic scale, that's going to be at least one power stunt. And who knows what other... Um, that could very well be a pyramid challenge for all, for all I know, uh, according to the you know, uh, how, Let's how, see. How, how On benchmarks, eight would allow you to... Eight allows you to stretch hundreds of miles. Yeah, we may need to confer to the it's for cosmic uh, uh, chapter. Or it may just... But that may just be beyond the, you know... That kind of size is just, may just be beyond uh, Eve's scope at the moment. He's a little nebula. Yes, uh, certainly. Uh, yeah, um, left my own devices. Absolutely. Uh, but I wonder. I'm just kind of curious if that is that size even defined at all within uh, current existing icon rules. Because I'm, I'm kind of curious about that now. So, well, at rank ten, rank nine is thousands of miles. Rank ten is virtually anywhere. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So at hundreds of miles, you could almost cover half the moon. Uh, you could take the continental United States and basically put it on one side of the moon. And it, you would just see it start to fold around the edges. Uh, according, to, according to stuff I've seen on the internet, so take that with a grain of salt. But size-wise... The radius of the moon is just about, over a thousand miles. Yeah. So half the size of the moon is just over 500. So hundreds of miles, you'd probably be a little bit shy. Actually, it, half the moon would be a thousand because if that's the radius, that means that you know the diameter would be twice that. So half the size. Well, I. But 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 he could stretch big enough to cover a noticeable chunk of the ship anyway. Yeah. So he could, if if we could, somehow get Eve to reach the ship 
he could peel large enough he could peel large sections off but like we don't have a quote-unquote weapon that can hit it eve would be the next largest thing we'd hit it with that i that my character knows of on it either that or we would have to somehow get inside the ship and destroy it from inside with a small group mm. small feisty group of rebels mm. <laughs> yep we'll go, we'll go star wars on it well, we couldn't get the we couldn't get the ship uh, onto the surface, so we're having to run down the trench. <laughs> uh. Uh. <clears throat> All right, so. You have two, I guess we'd say, opportunities. Uh, obviously, if they're wanting to send, the, the council starts, you know, your ideal of sneaking somebody onto the ship, or onto, onto the, uh, uh, hmm. Right now, they're just going to call it the weapon. I have a bit of an update, uh, at least as far as like how uh, the sides of cosmic objects relate on our icons on the ten scale. Okay. Uh, looking at the um, basically the C is for cosmic that chapter adds three additional levels. There's vast, which is a twelve, cosmic, which is a fifteen, and then godlike, which is a twenty. Now, for uh, for the quantification weight, twelve would be an asteroid, fifteen would be a planet. So I guess the moon would be somewhere between 12 and 15. If we wanted to actually, if we wanted to actually like, um, yeah, I guess it depends if we're using weight or distances. Distance vast would be interstellar. Yeah, um, here, at least according to C versus cosmic, it redefines level 10 as being, yeah, stellar. That is virtually anywhere within. Is that, did you just say that? Huh. I was looking at the interstellar for vast. Oh, yes, yes. Um, yeah, and then stellar would be ten would be anywhere within the same star system. So it depends on whether you use distance or weight to uh, figure things out. Okay. With that in mind, you can do. Yeah, I, I guess it's. I mean, anything's technically useful, right? But it's, it's, I will bookmark the cosmic chapter because we will probably be referencing it later. Uh, but anyway, so uh, two big things at the moment. Dealing with this weapon. Uh, but also going and talking to this other culture that has apparently repelled these people. You know, that has apparently repelled the hegemon at some point. Uh, and there is a lively debate on what they should focus on. Uh, well, I shouldn't say what they should focus on. We're talking about inter intergalactic empires. They're going to be working on both of these. Uh... The trick is they would like an elite squad to deal with really both of these. And when they start talking elite squad, a lot of people in the chamber start looking over at Muckboot's table. It's like, if only we had an elite squad. You guys have done everything they've asked you to do so far. Uh, what do you all think? I'm, I'm kind of tempted to say the ship would take first priority, but I don't know. 
Uh, like I'm for going to uh, try and get in contact with this this uh, other cult over the ship. Just because you know we get in touch with them, they might also have information about how to deal with these uh, these weapons. We can also have the uh, Rudan and her people working on ways to uh, counter the gravita the uh, weapons gravitational. Oh, they've definitely got this. They've definitely put the star forges on that the second they found out about it. Though the the star forger that is that tends to be in the council meetings is uh, he's talking about it, it would take a baffling amount of energy for them to do what they're doing. So you know he's not he's not sure how the practicality of such a thing could, could exist, though clearly it does. Uh, what do the rest of y'all think? Yes. Which, which of these projects would you want to take on first? Well, my food speak up. Uh, as stated before, I may be a bit blunt for a, dipl for a diplomatic mission. Whereas finding a target, assessing its capability, and hunting it is more within my realm of abilities. Um. Oh. Oh. One of the Federated System guys speak up. Uh, you say that, but we, but sending you as protection for an actual, for someone more diplomatic, perhaps. You know, if we sent a, a small group of diplomats with you, uh, because, you know, we don't know what this other culture is like. Uh, also, if you took, if, if, if Eve went with you, the prestige of having a living nebula. Plus, your bluntness is also honest, which could be beneficial. They might respect that. I will follow through on what the council decides. I will also state as a weakness, even if I do, even if we do form an elite team and manage to destroy one of these ships, there is no guarantee that there is one. Whereas, if we find some information through this diplomatic mission on how to remove them, that is an information we can use on any number of those ships. I, yeah. I can see the value in Madigan. One guy in the back is like, well, could we just throw you at multiple ships if you took one out? <laughs> Committing to a suicide mission more than three times in my life is not something I particularly have desire to continue. Well, and I, I may change my vote to do the ship first because... If it, if it was the only one, that might be the way to go. But if it's not, and they are able to counter with an even bigger response that we're not prepared for, 
that could be extremely dangerous. Come on. So maybe if we can learn a little bit more about them before we uh-huh. take on the ship. Uh, somebody in the council brings up, uh, you know, agreeing that you make a good point, uh, but by the same token, to have a weapon like this, they would likely rely heavily on it. If you manage to destroy it, that might set them back long enough to give a diplomatic mission time. Or we could, or we could send you the diplomatic mission now and engage in stalling tactics. Well, my, my concern is, what if they've got two or three of those just waiting in the wings, and they don't bring, you know, they don't bring out the heavy guns until they need them? We annoyed them. They brought out one, but then we take it out and they bring three more in. Well, if they have them, you know, if we, if they have them, we're at the mercy of them to uh, bringing them out whenever. Eve says that, that uh, if if they if this was something they could do easily or ha- if they had multiple of these ships, the smartest play would have been to um, use it immediately once and then scare basically try to to intimidate the entire rest of civilization into just buckling immediately rather than go through all this and then whip out such a such a monstrous weapon. Mm-hmm. Drop your bomb and get Japan to surrender. Something like that. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah. Historically, I mean, it was drop the bomb to make Russia scared of us, but yes. Yeah, the, po- the point being, yeah, uh, that's, um, you do that before the, the big invasion. Because, um, I mean, out of character, uh, out of character, I, I've, I've, uh, I've, that's, that, that's kind of the thing that, uh, that Chinggis Khan used to do. He'd like, uh, Take, pick one city, just devastate the hell out of it, and then get let every give it everyone else a chance to surrender. And usually they did. Um, not the Eve references that specifically, but uh, Eve suspects that this that this is something they they they, they would not have for these. Um, Eb, uh, I would say that as as people as you all were talking about the. the potential for Eve just kind of like unleashing Eve's cosmic abilities to just like, you know, to go toe to toe with the gravity buster. Uh, Eve would definitely feel uneasy with that. Uh, I think Eve would feel kind of uneasy with any kind of like large exercises of power given that he's given recent uh, discoveries about himself or. But Eve is full of hot air. Eve is also full of hot air. Would Eve admit, oh no, I can't do that. Or would, Eve sitting, or would Eve sit in the back of his mind going, oh, crap, while saying Eve will handle it. Yeah, you know, that, that's true. Um, we, we did establish early on that Eve is, the per- Eve is the being that would live up to everyone's expectations of him, whether or not Eve is actually capable of backing it up, because as a cosmic entity, Eve just simply feels like, you know, that's kind of, or at least Eve has learned that that's Eve's responsibility to do. So you're right. He would not uh, buckle down from that. He would actually... Um, if you asked him to do it, he, he would definitely uh, step up and... All right. So out of character for a moment, players vote. <laughs> Just so we can move on with this. Sure. Uh, you want to deal with the weapon? We'll, we'll, we will call it Raid. 
or uh, diplomacy. Careful. Oh, good. I thought I had, there was there was fear that there was going to be a raid shadow legends joke in there somehow. No. Not unless they sponsor me. If they sponsor me, y'all are going to hear about it. <laughs> I have no shame. All right. Uh, Taylor, raid or diplomacy? Raid. Uh, Curtis, raid or diplomacy? I think I'm going to switch to diplomacy, I think. Okay. Mike, raid or diplomacy? Uh, raid. Zach, raid or diplomacy? I will go with the winds and say raid. Well, all right. Should have made you vote uh, anonymously. I will. Well, that's right. Was the, was the uh, anonymous one? Or was the diplomatic one? Or, or at least Curtis was. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, she, she would totally be uh, in for the raid. But, you know, the, old, the only advantage I see to diplomacy is we might, we don't really know what we're going into with the raid. We might know more if we do the diplomacy first. But I'm, let's take it out. All right. And it's not like you're not going to get to do both of these in all likelihood. Right. <laughs> and certainly, um, the ship would appear to be an immediate threat. It's like, man, we don't want to. All right. Uh, so the council starts putting their heads together. Uh, you know, the decision comes up that while many good points have been made on both sides of this of this debate as to kind of what to focus on uh, the most. Uh, it is eventually decided to, to try and take out this ship. Uh, even if they have more, they're likely not at the front line. It might take time to bring them forward. Uh, if they don't have more, this might throw them into disarray, buying time uh, for the diplomatic mission. And for all we know, maybe that's how the smaller nebula got them to back off well, a smaller galaxy but yes yeah yeah on me my bad uh, so a world along the border is selected uh, one that would be shouldn't be significant enough to draw the amount of force that uh, Carlich drew uh uh, you guys are loaded up on the uh, it wouldn't be the hound this time they have a they have a a it's actually a, a smaller craft much more uh, stealth gear on it uh, pretty light on weapons this is clearly uh, uh, merely a an insertion insertion kind of craft uh Uh, but they will load y'all up on that. Uh, obviously, you four are going. Is there anybody else y'all would want to take uh, on a team? Everybody from season two. Don't have time to go back to Earth. <laughs> What's the point of going faster than light if you can't go fast enough to do what you need to do? <laughs> light is not all that fast, truthfully. You're dealing with when you're dealing with uh, the cosmic scale. Yeah, cosmic scale stuff. Uh, besides, bad. this is this is essentially, you know, think like Marvel's Annihilation storyline. 
They could have gone to Earth and picked up reinforcements. No, no, this was the space character story. On Earth, they were dealing with the Civil War or something. I don't know. It wasn't as good a story as the space one. It really was. Uh, uh, but is there anybody else you want to take to fill out your squad? You know, not just throwing extra bodies in there so you have extra extra shooty people or anything. Uh, I can't think of any. I mean, does Rudan want to die? <laughs> Uh, no, Rudan specifically does not want to die. Uh, but if you if you if you ask her, other star forgers in the area, higher ranking star forgers in the area, start kind of looking at her. <laughs> you know, we could knock some time off whatever sentence you eventually come down with. I'm just saying. Uh, Obviously, she does not have to leave the stealth ship. It is just information to someone smart enough to use it as fast as possible. Uh, well, now, wait a second. Silver Shooting Star's got some tech skills. Maybe he maybe he can fill the tech niche. Yes. I could, but I'm Silver. not a Star Forger. Silver Shooting Star has shooting in their name. They are on the raid team. <laughs> Thank you. You know, I, strategically speaking, um, the most vulnerable... Well, maybe not the most vulnerable, but probably the easiest way to take this whole thing out is to destroy the reactor or whatever its engine or whatever it has. And we could use her help locating it, understanding how to take it out. Uh, she does not seem super enthusiastic. Uh, but a day or two hey. a but a day or two after you ask her, She's, she sends you a begrudging sounding message saying she agrees to go. She has been forced to by her people. <laughs> exactly. Uh, forced is probably... Uh, more, more of a half-truth. Yeah, it's more like we put pressure on you. Well, I don't want to do it. Well, you know, then you can just fall away into obscurity. You know, We'll put you. We'll put you on designing better garbage disposals or something. You cost us a pro, a potentially extremely lucrative contract. You know, you know, it's not physically forced to, but it's you know, we will end your career. Yeah. And if you know anything about Rudan, her and career is the thing she is focused on. That's what got her in trouble on Earth. Well, I'm working on something. I don't want to have to wait for the diplomacy guys to figure it out and cut deals. I'll just, you know, borrow some children and handle it. They won't mind. Fine. They'll be perfectly healthy when it's over. Uh, so, okay, so you've got your... It, it's you four and her is the tech specialist. Uh, she is capable of piloting a ship, so if she had to come pick you up or something like that, that would also work. Uh, you know, she's not a she's not an ace. She's not a hot shot pilot, but you know. Uh, so you get your team assembled. While you're doing that, the uh, coalition is, you know, trying to pick out what planet gets to be bait. Cause there's every possibility that this planet, that whatever planet they choose, will not survive. Yeah, this better work or or. Uh, 
So they wind up picking a planet that's uh, pretty heavy industry, uh, but largely automated. So there's not as large a population to have to pull out. Uh, they, uh, <laughs> sorry, I got a fragment, something caught in my throat. <clears throat> you know, but it's one close to the border. Uh, they they send a small fleet. The fleet repels kind of the initial uh, sort of probing force that showed up. Uh, and, you know, and they don't immediately respond with the big ship. You know, you know our scouting party got run off. Well, that, that's the scouting party. Uh, but they send a larger fleet capable, you know, easily capable of matching the forces that were there, but the coalition has reinforced those forces. Uh, somebody breathing into their mic. Stop it. Uh, so when they, when they have kind of a full-size force show up, there's a larger force of defenders. Uh, you know, and in that meantime, they pull, they're pulling civilians off planet. Uh, which is a, you know, planning nightmare, because that's a huge number, you know, not that you aren't already a lot of refugees, but that's a huge number kind of all at once. Uh, you know, even on a low population world, it's the entire population of the world. Uh, you know, the Minnows argue, eh, leave them. You know, this, this strike team is supposed to take the ship out before the planet is destroyed. It'll be fine. Uh, while the Federated Systems refuses to go along with the plan, if that's what you're going to do. Uh, and even the, uh, shoot, the uh, uh, Singularity Coalition is... is, is you know, they're speaking up going, yeah, that, that, no, no, we, we need to get those people out of there. No, we're, we're not really a voting member of this thing, but this is, a, you know, if you ask our opinion, if you're filling out the room, this is, yeah. uh, but when they repel that second attack, that is when they insert you in the system, uh, you're essentially in kind of the outer edge of the system. Uh, you know, you're parked, or you're, you are parked on a small moon around a gas giant that's got, you know, a dozen moons. You know, and, and uh, debris rings and all sorts of materials that you can kind of hide in that, you know, even without your stealth tech, if you powered down, they probably wouldn't notice you because you're just more metal on a iron-filled, you know, small moon. Uh, now, when this ship enters the system, how are you planning to get close to it? You know, there's been lots of talk about how far Eve can stretch, and you've got this stealth ship. What is your plan to try to actually get to the surface or onto the ship? 
or damage it from a distance or what is your strategy here Silver Shooting Star is going to volunteer to actually do a spacewalk in his suit if we uh, do a are able to do a nice quiet approach to try and explore to uh, try and find a uh, entry hatch like an airlock or maybe a exhaust vent. Okay. And Muckboot has personally seen the stretchiness of E and how it pretty much blends in with the background of space when you're in space. So, as far as being able to reach out and connect, you know, there's not much that can detect him. Even if someone's actively looking, it's a bit difficult to see. Yeah, at any kind of distance. Up close, it's more obvious. But but on the just... size of the moon, there's going to be a gap somewhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and, and and if this ship is busy fighting off the fleet, and we've got a small stealth ship, I wonder what the chances are that they wouldn't even notice us, and we'll be able to actually part. You know, if we find a, if we find an exhaust vent or a port, that we could literally park the ship on the surface of the larger ship. I hear, a, I hear a baby. I he is a This is the downside of Zach not having a camera is we can't see the baby. I know, but... <laughs> Maybe one day I'll uh, have a proper camera set up and you can see the get, toddler. We get to hear a happy baby anyway. And I can mute when she's not a happy baby. Which we have heard before. You have? Um, I vote in favor of E stretching and exploring the surface. Okay. That could be done. Does anyone have any objections to that? Or, or you know, other strategies they'd like to throw forth? So where, what surface of the moon we're hiding behind, or the actual planet that's being defended? Of the uh, ship. Oh, right. The, yeah, the back. Sure. Oh, no, that's a different ship. Okay. Uh, would you want me at full nebula size, or just regular? I guess, I guess for the purposes of scouting... Would I need to expand my scope in any way to increase my range of perception? No, if you see, if you if you stretch a part of you down there, you can pretty well see out of that part. Okay. Uh, so you know, this whole process takes a few weeks. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, of of the initial scouting being re rejected, and the larger fleet showing up and reinforcing, and y'all being sent in. Right. Uh, so y'all have a few, uh, at least for the orga organics, a few uncomfortable days crammed into this relatively small ship. <laughs> you know, uh, think of it like a, 
kind of like a Japanese apartment. Oh, awesome. Well, you know, you've got beds to sleep in, but then you have to be folded up, you know, when y'all are awake and active, just to have any room. Very efficient. Yes, yes, it has to be very efficient. You know, as opposed to the hound, which is small, but you've got bunks and stuff that just kind of sit out all the time. Uh, you know, Rudan is not happy with not having much of a workspace. Uh, though the computer system on the ship is good, so she's at least got that. Uh, so y'all spent a few days like that. Uh, you know, you can, of course, uh, go out on the surface, you know, put on a suit and go out in the surface of the moon to stretch your legs, but, you know, you can't do too much exploring because you got to be close to the ship in case these things arrive. But eventually... Uh, the Urim fleet uh, or Hegemon I think it's the part of their name how I will shorten their name the Hegemon fleet shows up uh, it's roughly the size expected it's you know the two fleets fighting should be a fairly even fight because uh, the coalition sent in more reinforcements after that second uh, uh, second battle and sure enough, you have this, you know, moon-sized ship coming in behind it. Uh, and the ship is not, it's lots of cur kind of organic curves and so forth, but it's not like spherical. Uh, it's elongated with kind of a dome, you know, the top is generally speaking kind of dome-like for the length of it. Uh, where the bottom has kind of uh, almost spines. I mean, they're the size of small mountains, you know, jutting out of the bottom of it, but almost gives it a crustacean or some kind of sea life look to it. Oh no, they just built a ship on top of a space whale. Uh, None of the sensor readings that you're getting from it, uh, or that anybody's gotten from it, shows it to be particularly organic. Uh, but it's like maybe it was modeled off of something. You know, you're really not sure. Uh, but sure enough, you can detect the huge amount of, uh, I guess you'd say anti-gravity, gravity that sort of pushes away from it. Uh, even the ships of its own fleet aren't too close to it. Uh, but it passes by the gas giant that y'all are hiding in, in orbit around. Uh, like I said, either on the moon or in the debris field. Yeah, we one of his rings, whatever. Uh, Rudan, uh, Rudan tells you, uh, you know, she, she, she puts up a picture of the ship she illustrates kind of where this the, this gravity field is. Uh, there's no way the ship is going to be able to pierce, you know, push through that gravity, pushing it away. Uh, but she notices the engines on the back where they're giving off thrust. The, the gravity field doesn't seem to envelop that. There is a gap there, basically. Uh, now you're flying through, you know, you're gonna to have to maneuver, you know, if you went in that way, you'd have to maneuver through the actual thrust 
of a ship this size. So she hopes she hopes one of you is a very good pilot. You know, or that Eve can be very precise as he stretches through, you know. Um who who is our best pilot? I do not have the piloting skill. Certainly not Eve. Strictly speaking, I don't have ship piloting, um, but I do have ace mech suit, mech suit pilot as a quality. Okay. It would use your coordination, so anybody that's good with coordination. I have a uh, five oh. coordination. Oh, okay. And yeah, yeah, I, yeah this not... is you. Congratulations, this... my food is the ace pilot. <laughs> <laughs> He's had only a minor amount of training, uh, but a whole lot of natural talent. Well, and like... Uh, he, piloting the Hound has years, year, decades, in fact, of experience piloting. Oh, yeah, I forgot just how high his coordination was. I knew it was freakish, but... It is the highest it was allowed to be. It's the highest that can be reached by mortal man. Or functionally was, a mortal man. That was the entire point of Mugboot, was I want to put one stat as high as it'll go and see what happens. And what happened was he kills things in one shot a whole lot. That's where I feel like I realize now why we don't do this with a lot of characters. Yeah, the system is easy to min-max if you are if you go into it looking to do that. Now, that being said, once you put him in physical combat with somebody hand-to-hand, he did lose pretty well. Yes, yes. It's very hard to shoot him. It's very easy to put, relatively easy to punch him. Which actually reminds me of a buddy of mine that, that used to be what he'd say is, oh yeah, I always carry a gun around because I know I can't fight. <laughs> you know, his ideal of hand-to-hand combat was to, you know, cover his face and roll around on the ground asking people to stop. <clears throat> All right. Uh, so the ship moves past you and it's kind of behind the front line of the fleet. Uh... Now, from the previous engagement that the uh, Minos fleet had with it, they know that, you know, once it parks to do its thing, yeah, it shuts the engines off and then that gravity field envelops everything and there's just no way to get to it. Uh, so Rudan is very much telling you, you probably need to hit it while it's moving. Do we have a plan other than Muck Boots going to fly us into the field? Well, are you going to try, you know, you, there's been the suggestion of landing the ship on it. There's been the suggestion of getting close and letting Eve stretch down to the surface of it. And what are y'all actually wanting to get into? Here's a question. Does Eve have to worry about the gases of Eve's body igniting near the heat of engine if you got if you know the engines are separated but you know of course there's you know energy flying out and all this uh, if you maneuver through and don't get directly in the thrust you're fine if you get directly in the thrust that's going to do do you damage well will i be earning any determination points on the approach well i don't know are you wanting some trouble because i can give you some trouble as you try to do it <laughs> 
you know, I might, I might need, uh, I, I do only have one determination point, and I have a suspicion I'm going to be needing to spend more than that to pull this off, but, um, yeah, maybe we'll just figure out the approach first, and then I can decide if uh, I want to blow up, as it were. Um. So our options are to. Yeah, are we are we thinking that my job is to basically just to expand to con contain as much of the ship from within, and then pull my electromagnetic mastery stunt again? That's not actually a strategy I thought of, but that's definitely an idea. Yeah. Well, what, what was the uh, other thought? Uh, the fact, would I even take advantage of, would I even want to take advantage of my, you know, flammability to, oh boy, uh, at the risk of just consuming myself entirely, set the, you know, just kind of like ignite the entire ship by, I get my... I dive into the thrust, expand to full nebula size, and it all ignites at once. I, I don't mean, think Eve would survive that. I'm going to be honest with you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm certain. Um, so, but that, that's something we'd probably at least discuss, even if it's just to, like, out, rule it out entirely. Um, is there is there a way to... Do we think there's a way to achieve the mission without doing that? Uh, well, if you get to the surface of it, you might be able to get inside, because obviously they'd have to have service hatches and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, probably hangers or something. Uh you know, you might be able to land the ship on the surface. You might be able to stretch down and carry people with you. Uh, yeah, I think Silver Shooting Star can fly through space, I think. Yes, sir. My, my argument for landing on the surface of the ship is they might be able to detect us if we're, you know, even if we're within the gravity field, but we're not connected to the ship they might say hey you know we're picking up this on our scanners there's a chance they they wouldn't see us and their scanners wouldn't see us if we actually landed on the surface of the ship using the ships using your ship stealth systems you're saying right right gotcha 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 that we could land hopefully close enough to some sort of airlock that we can used to get inside mm -hmm. that's my thought all right so what do y'all want to do you, you want to go with bloodthorn's ideal of landing the ship on the surface or at least taking it in to ride at the surface to take full advantage of its stealth systems or do you want to try to have eve stretch y'all through the various thrusts i like bloodthorn's idea because yeah, the stealth taking advantage of the stealth. Uh, why, why not? Uh, why not use that if we can? All right, Taylor. Yeah, that... I, I agree. Like I really don't want to Eve to accidentally ignite, uh, ignite Eve self. <laughs> All right. Let's land this ship. All right, muck boot. Howdy. Give me a coordination roll. Uh. Will I figure out the difficulty? Let's see. You have to beat a 30. <clears throat> Unfortunately, I only got an 11. Uh, 
Alright, so you beat a seven. Alright, so you beat that by four. So you have no problem maneuvering through the uh, the thruster output from these big engines. Uh, it's actually probably easier with this craft than it would have been with the Hound, because this craft is, you know, a bit smaller. Now, somebody else uh, will say, uh, Zach, give me a roll. Uh, give me your technology. No, 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 excuse me. Uh, just give me a D6 roll uh, plus eight for the craft stealth systems. Sure. Uh, versus, you know, and I'll be rolling basically the awareness or the sensors for the uh, the weapon. Oh, nice. Oh, that is pretty good. Okay, so you rolled a six on your dice plus eight, and whoever whoever is manning the sensors for this craft, you know, rolled a one on their dice. Uh, so you rolled max with a fourteen, and I rolled minimum with a total of a nine. So that's a massive success. Uh, not that you would necessarily realize this as it's happening, but. Uh, Uh, so yes, you've got the stealth systems going. Oh, it is a sweet stealth suite this thing's got. Uh, you realize this equipment probably takes up most of the space on the ship. Uh, you know, once you get past the baseline engines and life support and stuff. Uh, but yes, you slip in. Uh, the gravity field the ship generates doesn't really start until up off the surface a bit. You know, like a hundred, hundred meters or so above, which is still pretty snug given the size of it. But, uh, the outside surface of the ship, it's large enough to actually have a little bit of gravity. Uh, but for those who can't really maneuver in space on their own, you probably still want like mag boots or the equivalent to kind of grip the surface. And there is enough metal in whatever material this is that you can that you can attach those kind of boots to it. Uh, uh, Rudan is, she seems torn. This is a magnificent megastructure. She'd really <laughs> like to see the inside of it. But she really doesn't want to leave the ship. Uh, what has she done to deserve fate tempting her like this? Uh, but in the end, she decides someone should stay with the ship, you know, in case there's an emergency. I mean, if you all, all go in there and die, somebody needs to go tell people what happened. We'll try and download schematics for you. Uh, oh, that would be, that would be excellent. Uh, so yeah, she'll stay with the ship. Uh, she does. It, she has her doubts that your communication equipment will be able to penetrate the hull of this thing. Uh, 
But if you got to make a, if you've got to make an emergency escape, if you can get to the to the surface anywhere, it should pick up again. And she can fly. You know, she can skim along the surface to pick you up. Uh. I was hoping she could guide us to find a way to take it, take the ship down. Uh. Yeah, maybe if you can find their communication equipment in there and use it some kind of way or something. I mean. Yeah, she's just basing that off the whole material. You know, seems like it would block signals. You know, she's got a more powerful communicating device she could send with you that could probably punch through it, but chances are good they would notice. You know, she'll send it with you if you want to for an emergency, but don't use it except in an emergency. And she holds up to, you know, whichever one of you wants to take it. And then when there's no obvious takers, she just sort of pokes them up with, with it. Please Let's understand, go. I may also use this as an emergency distraction. Just don't use it until you want them to know you're there. Sounds good. Uh, and then she goes to the cockpit area and you know, is manning, is manning the communication. Well, she's basically in the pilot seat because it's one of them like, one-seater cockpits. Uh, you know, she's keeping the engines warm. She's manning the communication equipment. Uh, she's got the sensors going, the passive sensors going to pick up anything that might be coming her way. Uh, there are, of course, spacesuits for Muckboot and Bloodthorn. Uh, Silver Shooting Star and Eve, of course, do not need them. Uh, so what do you guys do? Let's roll. Yeah. <clears throat> you stick. You, you go out the air airlock. Uh, uh, you have to go out one at a time. Small ship, the airlock is small. Uh, unless you want to invent the atmosphere out of the entire ship. No, which it is designed to do in emergencies. Yeah, so you could just throw the door open if you had to. You just have to stay in your suit for a few minutes while the inside filled back up. That might be a little bit rude to rude Anne. You would want to give her a little warning so she could put on a suit first. <laughs> Otherwise she's gonna be pretty bitter. Uh, so I'll get off on the surface. Like I said, the boots stick to the surface just fine. Uh, on your data pad, uh, Rudan had downloaded the uh, images she took of the surface as y'all were coming in. And she's kind of highlighted a couple of spots. That looks like that might be some sort of access. That looks like that might be some sort of uh, airlock. Uh, Though, to be fair, the, the accesses would have to be airlocks of some kind, so. Uh, and there's several within a couple minutes walk of where you landed. I say we check out the nearest one. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'll approach. Keep an eye out for any obvious, uh, sensor networks or uh, sensors 
Okay. Uh, you get to your area. It's a decent sized square. Uh, you know, it's got kind of, kind of almost a square framing, though the corners are kind of rounded off. Uh, it's got kind of a fan blade iris, you know, opening, shutting mechanism for the door. Uh, and there is like a flat panel area to one side. It's not currently displaying anything, but you know, but it's it's raised and flattened and about hand sized for maybe not for E for for, for the rest of you. Uh, when he reaches out and touches it, then it kind of lights up, and there's. Uh, there's characters across the top uh, and a a rough outline of a hand you can't make out individual fingers but you know whoever built this thing must have had opposable thumbs and you probably have to have the right hand to open up the although maybe not well, i don't know because whoever would be out here would probably be in spacesuits so unless it was designed by somebody that walks around in vacuums do we want to try it? I mean, we've already touched it. There's most likely already something saying that it's been active. Yep. The moment we touched it, it kind of alerted. Could have <clears throat> alerted them that someone's on the outside of the ship. We might as well go fast. Point. All right. Who puts their hands on it? I will if no one else wants to. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure, like, it would even pick up big metal hand. All right, so Bloodthorn slaps her hand down, spakes her hand down it. It lights up around her hand, and the the the, the hatch kind of irises open. And it eats your hand! All right, no, no. You know, it lights up when the door opens, uh, you pull your hand back and, you know, the thing is still lit. And then there's like a bar's worth at the bottom that turns off. And, you know, a little bit later, another little strip turns off. Yeah, we better hurry and get inside. You know, it's not a... It's not doing this fast enough for you to feel rushed to get in, but... But clearly there's some sort of automated, you know, closing mechanism. Yeah, it's, it's got a countdown before it closes. Yeah, so y'all shuffle in there. There is essentially like ladder rungs built into the uh, uh, the wall. Uh, the gravity is light enough that you can just kind of pull yourself along with them. Uh, the tube you find yourself in is, you know, about as big as the hatch itself. It drops down into an, a sort of tunnel uh, when you reach the bottom of the tube, artificial gravity seems to increase. Uh, you don't fall with a thud, but you, you know, you drift down to the floor, uh, fairly quickly. You know, it's at least like earth moon gravity level, you know. Uh, it also gives you, finally gives you a, it gives you a sense of what's up and down in here. <clears throat> but there is no atmosphere in this tunnel. 
eventually you all reach the bottom and eventually the iris closes uh, as you start walking down this tunnel as you walk away from the the hatch entryway uh, the gravity increases until it's a uh, you know about uh, one G you know give or take say this is like a G you know one point four G's or something like that you know uh, well within the comfort zone of most bipedal species. Uh, as you go down the tunnel, you're seeing door. It looks like airlock doors. You know, it's like this is some sort of maintenance tunnel. They don't bother with atmosphere. And then to get deeper into the ship, you know, you have to go through a, a more typical airlock setup. Uh, but this tunnel just, I mean, it just stretches forward until you lose sight. Uh, but it is well lit. Uh, give me a awareness rolls, if you would. Because you asked so nicely. And because you don't want to automatically fail. <clears throat> All right. So Silver Shoe Star got an eight. Great part. Uh, sorry, did you say everybody roll? Yes, everybody. Give me an awareness roll. Oh, my bad, dog. Ah, no problem. All right, so Shooting Star got an eight. Muck Boot got an eight. Uh, Bloodthorn and Eve got sevens. <clears throat> and the other guy in this tunnel got a seven. Uh, so Silver Shooting Star and Muck Boot, you notice a guy stepping out into this tunnel My camera lost focus for a second. <clears throat> he is stepping out of one of these airlock things like further down the hallway. Uh, but you two spot him in time that you can take some sort of action. Whether that's telling everybody else, pulling them to one side to try to get through a door or something before he looks up and sees you. Uh, left of their own devices. Uh, even Bloodthorn will notice this guy when this guy notices them basically. I vote signal and try to get out of sight, if possible. Okay. Right. We all have y'all's little personal comms. Y'all can talk to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you did lose uh, contact with the ship once you got in here, though. Uh, it's all right. So y'all ducked to one side. Uh, the the hallway or the maintenance tunnel side. Uh, of these little airlocks, the door the door just springs open as soon as you tap it. Uh, there's enough room for all four of you to get in there. Uh, looks like the room could probably hold eight or nine people, you know, at a time, or maybe a handful of people with some equipment. Uh, you know, the door is it's size more like freight elevator size than individual person size. Uh, but you get in out of sight before. 
uh, before that guy notices you. Uh, the door shuts. Atmosphere starts flooding in. Once it reaches a certain pressure, uh, the other the door on the other side opens, and you can step out and into the ship proper. Uh, it's a breathable atmosphere. It's a comfortable temperature. So, what does the interior proper look like? Like, what's the uh, path ahead of us seem to be? Uh, the corridors and the walls all seem to be the same white material, uh, or slightly off-white. Uh, the corners, corners of the hallway seem to be where your light comes from. It's a very diffused sort of light, but everything, everything in the tunnel is white, so, you know, a little bit of light really lightens everything up. Uh... And there are, there's decorations on the wall. Uh, basically, well, they're, well, they're made out of probably some sort of plastics or synthetic materials. Uh, you could almost call them posters or tapestries or something like that. Uh, you see depictions of the various species that you've seen. Uh, but these are clearly been like attached to the walls later. They, they uh, you know, where they're hung on the walls doesn't look like it's actually part of the original ship. Uh, you see stuff that looks like propaganda posters. Uh, uh, and anytime you come to like a hallway intersection, there's practically street signs telling you where to go. And while this one is typical hallway size, you quickly come to one that is uh, about a, it, it's, think of about a four lane road, and that's about how wide this thing is. And Tyler, because you're, you're talking about a ship the size of the moon, you've, you're going to have actual vehicles running around inside this thing. Uh, and while the tunnel you're walking in, you haven't seen anybody else yet, as you approach this road, you hear vehicles pass by every now and then. You know, it's technically a ship. You might as well think of it as like an, an uh, city, like an indoor city. And if you're saying something, Curtis, you're muted. Sorry, I was trying to avoid breathing into the mic. Um, there's road signs, you said. Are we able to read those? Have we deciphered their language at all? Uh, yes. I see words. Yes, because they had they had been working on the like com or not com units the uh basically like the little, the little data pad things they had built into their gauntlets. Uh, the Star Forgers in the in the weeks that built up to this have managed to crack that. So you do have uh, your data pads can translate. You, know, you can snap a picture of it and your computer can translate uh, the, the text. Well, my thought is commandeer a vehicle and see if we can track down the reactor unless you all have something else in mind. That sounds like an excellent plan. Okay. All right, so how do y'all want to carjack a guy? 
Alright, who has the best legs, and do any of us have a dress on, on him? Well, I was about to say, we ditched the spacesuits, and, 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 you know, change into our sexy James Bond skivvies. Because, you know, that's how these things work, right? That, I'm we don't looking really... for a stop sign. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That uh, sounds like a better plan. I'm looking at something that is regularly stopped at, but does not appear to be a camp. All right. Sure enough, there are essentially road signs on the road. Uh, now, all the walkways basically have signs that say halt. Uh, or halts. Uh, the phrase your translator translated as halt and yield. Uh, so pedestrians apparently do not have the right of way. Uh, when you find two of these major roads that cross, a lot of times it's one side uh, that the sign will just say proceed and the other side will say halt yield. So it's like, you know, the main roads just cut across. Uh, you know, if you look around, you'll eventually find something that works more like a red light. You know, different color scheme. You know, they use words instead of just colored lights, but you know. There's only so many ways to direct traffic, so you find the ways they direct traffic. Uh, as you get further from the surface of the ship, it looks like the streets are getting busier. And you're starting to find, uh, you know, doorways to, you think you may be in a section that's living quarters. Uh, Though this, even though even the the living quarters this far out don't seem to be all that populated, uh, you suspect the population probably gets denser the further into the ship you get. Cause who wants to live close to the surface if you're in something that's going to get shot at? Uh, now I'm assuming you've been careful. You you're being careful about being seen so far. Right. Uh. So, you know, you're on one section of the road, there's a single vehicle coming. Uh, it looks like it's the equivalent of, uh, like the equivalent of like a U-Haul or a, uh, maybe like a UPS van. You know, it's not hauling hard, large freight, but it's clearly a, you know, uh, a delivery, uh, vehicle and it is hovering rather than you know on wheels or anything how are y'all gonna go about trying to stop this thing well chances are I'm much, much faster than this thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So my suggestion is to for me to speed up ahead and in front of it to get the uh, driver to just stop. And then just pull and then just pull him out of the uh, driver's side door. So you basically, like, fly up next to the driver's side door and point your gun at him and tell him to stop? Kind of, yeah. All right, give me a willpower roll. 
And I would like to tap Repentant Space Pirate to pull on some of my uh, past experience threatening people. I know how to do this. Trust me, guys, this is not the first time I've poked my gun in somebody's face and made demands. I'm just saying. And. Alright, he got a six. I got an 11. Ooh. Uh, he hits the brakes. He throws his hands up. Uh, you know, and your and your universal translator is handling the language fine. He climbs out. Hey, hey, don't shoot me. I, you know. You know, I, I am I am just uh, I just work in the quartermaster's office. I work for the quartermaster's we office. We can't let him go to sound the alarm. Oh no! Here's what he's gonna do. He is going to drop every single piece of technology he has and leave it there. He takes off his little wrist thing. I I, I was thinking tie him up and stick him in the back of the, of I was the cargo. Kill well, kill him could work too. We're about to blow this ship up. Oh, I'm sorry. Is one murder with your bare hands too much to bear? We're about to kill hundreds of thousands, most likely. Doesn't Let's bother me any. I was just trying to be nice, but we need to keep him in the cargo of this van because we don't want people finding the body and knowing that something's going down. Uh, he's starting to look a little panicked at this point. So do you want to be a prisoner of war or do you want to be a corpse? The choice is yours. I'll take prisoner if I'm given the option. All right, tie him up, toss him in the back. Oof. Yeah, he might be able to answer some questions later on if we run into trouble. He goes, yeah, yeah, I could be useful. I could be useful. That's my general thinking. Let's get a move on with our five minutes left. All right, y'all pile into the truck. Uh, give me a uh, hmm. Eve was doing the least talking to this guy, so Eve, give me an awareness roll. Oh, very good. Makes a good time to roll well. Uh, another vehicle comes speeding around a corner. Uh, you hear music blaring out of it. <laughs> yeah, you know, like somebody's like somebody's going to the outer edges of the ship to you know joyride. I can't drive fifty-five. Uh, I can't drive fifty-five lights ears. <laughs> uh, but that vehicle comes screeching to a halt. I mean, not literally, because it's hovering. Uh, but you see it's, you know, come to a quick halt. Uh, through the windscreen, you see, like, the passenger puts his hands up on the dash to kind of brace himself. Uh, and the two, you know, the, the driver and that passenger and two passengers behind him start piling out, you know, 
uh, and uh, three of them have like sidearms they go for they start going for oh okay uh, maybe they're maybe they're MPs or maybe they're just the regular soldiers and then they walk around armed here yeah what uh, are they dressed like are they in uniform they are in uniforms uh it's a different uniform than what you have seen from the like soldiers you fought before but this is a ship maybe this is the navy uniform it still has a military look to it yeah uh, uh, I'll, I'll let everyone know that we've been we've been spotted by uh, by hostiles uh, but one of the guys doesn't seem to have any weaponry on him okay I don't like that but he has what looks like a tattoo on his face uh, don't funny. like that oh nice and when he steps out he holds his hands up and you start getting kind of a heat shimmer effect around him it's not giving off light, but the air around it seems around his arm seems to start shivering, or shimmering. Well, so much for doing this quietly. Yes, there will be noise. <laughs> uh, and the branded guy uh, shouts at you to get down to the ground. So Shooting Star is going to open up on him. Yeah, let's take this moment of him talking to kill him. Yep. All right. So we will end here with you whipping your gun up and taking a shot. You know, trying to catch you monologuing. Uh, well, actually, since this is kind of a surprise thing, go ahead and take your shot. That, that's right, Izzy. That's a good plan. Yeah. Murder! 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 <laughs> Izzy's like, finish him. <laughs> Quickly before he escapes. Just in case Silver Shooting Star's incredible 13 doesn't hit, my 16 will. Oh boy. <laughs> we just both, we take out both of his eyes at the same time. <laughs> All right. And we ain't shooting to play around. <laughs> Let's see. All right. He is effectively trying to block with his powers. Basically, when that shimmer was around his arm, the shimmer kind of spreads out in front of him. Uh, and attempts to diffuse the plasma and or whatever else you're shooting at him. So he'll have to defend against both of you. Uh, his chances are not great. So that is an 11 against Shooting Star's attack. And a 13 against uh, Muck Boots. Wow. Uh, so both blasts get to, through. And it is uh, a moderate success for Shooting Star, so it does regular damage. How much damage does your blast do? It does. Let's scroll back up. Six damage. All right. 
And Muckboot, you got a major because you beat him by three. How much damage do you do? Six. All right. I guess the major doesn't get to the thing. Uh, I'm assuming you were using a lethal shot. I was. All right, so damage, shooting attack. Does that have to be on a massive only? Uh, let me double check. That just tells me what to do once it's reached a killing. But yeah, I think, uh... <laughs> She's very happy today. Being mauled by a tiger. <gasps> no! Yes! where it says for sure. But I think that activates on a major as well. Which section that talks about combat that it's actually listed in? Here we go, slashing and shooting. Uh, with a slashing or shooting, a major you deal attack damage and may stun the target. So a major causes a stun effect, where a may where a, I mean. Uh, where a uh, massive would be the killing. So you may not kill him outright, but you might knock him unconscious. So give me a D6 plus the, uh, uh, let's Damn see. It. Make sure it's the full. All right, give me a D6 plus three roll, because he did have some damage resistance. And we calculate it based on the damage done. Uh, versus his strength. <sighs> Alright, so he rolled a one on the dice. He had a strength of four, which, you know, is respectable. I had but eight tope on the roll. You beat him by three, which is a major. So his stamina drops to zero and he is rendered unconscious. So he blunts your blast enough that, you know, it doesn't kill him or do any lethal damage, but he does go flying back and hit the ground. So we'll wrap up there with that guy hitting the ground and a panicked look on the other three guys that are with him. And we will cut off here. Uh, your prisoner also has a panicked look on his face. Uh... <clears throat> So I hope y'all had fun. I know this was almost, well, it was role play and some planning, uh, you know, but I had fun with it. Uh, you know, you now have some information on the forces arrayed against you. Uh, 
And, and for the next session, we'll be like, you know what? We don't need four prisoners, so let's have tryouts. <laughs> we give everybody a sharpened stick, and whichever one of you left standing is our prisoner. Are you sure I'm not running necessary evil again? <laughs> because this sounds like a necessary evil sort of thing to set up. It's a little bit dark, even for a uh, group that's pretty okay with the corpses on the floor. It is dark in outer space. We are about to blow this ship up. <laughs> Or disable it in some way. The aspect here is we are about to kill a very large number of people. Don't be okay with that just because you're not physically watching. That's fine for Muckboot, who's a who is a soldier at heart. Uh, hmm. Now I think about it, none, none of these characters are exactly superheroes at heart, though. And a though. pirate and a warrior queen who drains people's stamina to kill them. Most, mostly that stuns them. <laughs> mostly. And a child, a thing that destroys the planet. We don't have to be conscientious here. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Well, just, you uh, know, the difference between, you know, blowing up a ship and running a death game before we blow up this thing. I, I can just see Y'all are the seconds... weirdos with the death game shit. I'm just like, shoot them, move on. We're, we're seconds away. <laughs> we'll be seconds away from blowing up the ship and somebody will see a puppy and like, oh my god. Uh, exactly. I have to skin it first. Space, <laughs> space puppers. <laughs> Muck Boot would be disgusted at the ideal of skinning a dog. Yes, I know. I was talking about how sadistic we're acting with this whole death. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, before we get anywhere on Earth, let's go. Uh, I hope the folks came by in the chat. Uh, I hope y'all had fun. This is not the most action-packed episode. The next one probably will be. Uh, so we'll be back in two weeks uh, for this one. Uh, let's see, is there anything else? No, that's really all I got. I'm so used to the the other streaming thing where I've got to talk about the other, or hijack one of my players and I talk about the other games that the network does. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, if anybody out there is interested in, in more games, uh, on Tuesdays I run one at 6 o'clock. On, over on Dire Bear. Uh, on Twitch, it's Dire Bear GM. Uh, a buddy of mine in, in Decatur runs that. He's got different people almost every night of the week running games. Uh, mostly 5e, other than my Tuesday group's always the oddball systems, you know. Scion last year, Vampire the year before that, Star Wars, D6 this year. Uh, so you can always check us out there. But anyway, I have been your GM for the day, Jason, and with me has been Taylor playing Muckboot. Hey, see ya. Curtis playing Bloodthorn. Laters. Mike playing Eve, the Living Nebula. Thanks for indulging my backstory. And Zach playing oh, Silver Shooting Star. Thank you for joining us. And we will see y'all next time. <laughs>